It's the show that makes us talk. You know, Willie, it's really hard to watch television as an independent person. Really? How so? Because every time I use the remote, I feel controlled. (laughs) What about our life? With Chris and Will. Pardon me, do you have any gray poupon? As a matter of fact, I do not. (laughs) (laughs) You remember those gold commercials? Yes, I do, where they roll down the window and... A real fancy car, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that, that discloses our age, ladies and gentlemen, going back, really back to those early commercial days. <laughs> but speaking of going back, it's another episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Yay! Yes, another topic, another guest, and uh, a lot of fun. But this time, we're talking about Disney production, uh, specifically Disney television animation, wow. which started back in 1984. Hmm. Uh, by Gary Crystal and Jim Magon, and it was conducted from an idea by Michael Eisner. And that was the birth of a lot of television animation for the Disney Channel and ABC, NBC, or Disney and all, all together. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, it was the start of the Woozles. <gasps> the Woozles. Yep, the- you know, they the Woozles. Okay, so... They were different because it was like this creature who had different parts. Like I remember one of them had a whole bunch of colors and it had wings and stuff. It was just, I remember that a lot. Yep. And mm-hmm. the adventures of the gummy bears, which we talk a lot about on the show. Yes. You noticed something about gummy bears? I don't know. They're very sweet. Yes. <laughs> but the fact that they're bouncing around and they are kind of sweet too. I mean, the candies and the cartoons, but anyways, yeah. it's a whole nother thing. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, Gargoyles, Darkwind Duck, Goof Troop, Bonkers. Remember that show? I do. You know, I had, I didn't recall that one until you just said yep. it. Tailspin, uh, the Aladdin series, Timon and Pumbaa, uh, the Mighty Ducks, the Little Mermaid series, the New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. DuckTales. of Mouse. Yes, DuckTales. Recess, do you remember that one? Yes, I do, yeah. Uh, Disney's Doug. Phineas and Ferb, can't say it. Kim Possible, the Tangled series. Big Hero 6 series, yes. Mm-hmm. All around kind of Disney productions. What is your favorite Disney movie? Favorite Disney movie, Aladdin. Uh, yes, mine is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Um, another, going back into the Disney production, Pollyanna. Summer Magic, both Haley yeah. Mills movies. That Darn Cat, Tron, uh, Tron Legacy. Yeah, I I, yeah Tron one. Legacy. That that was awesome. Song of the South, yes. Beauty and the Beast, Donald Duck cartoons, Chippendale cartoons. Mm-hmm. Did you? Uh, yeah, which I, also featured Clarice. That's right. Yeah. And you, I didn't know this, but I was a fan of, well, still am, fan of the Chippendale cartoons. But it was you, Chris, who introduced me to the Chippendale movie, which took different segments of Chippendale cartoons, yep. and they put it into uh, a series. It yeah. was the Chippendale cartoons that had Clarice in it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Little Mermaid, Lion King, of course, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Silly Symphony, Scary Tales, and one that a lot of people don't remember, the Tower of Terror movie with Stephen Gutenberg. Do you remember that one? Based off of the vaguely, ride. Vaguely, vaguely. Yes, based off yes. the ride. But going back into cartoons, uh, also Bambi, yep. uh, Fantasia, yep. and let's see what else, Pinocchio, yep. the very first one. A lot Snow- of great uh, Disney ones, yeah. yeah. Snow White, mm-hmm. Snow White, of course. But today we're going to be talking with the guy that I mentioned earlier who's in charge of the Disney Television Animation Studio. He helped create it with uh, Gary Criswell and uh, Michael Eisner. He created a lot of different animation series. Plus, he came from Walt Disney Records from back in the day. Uh, oh, the sing-along yes. tapes and all the little final records yes. and stuff. Jim Magon is going to be with us today, so we're very excited. Jim's credits include Emmy-nominated Tailspin, Emmy-nominated Gummy Bears, Goof Troop, um, Winnie the Pooh, of course, uh, DuckTales, yeah. Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, Pac-Man, the, a lot of the different new other one, ones. Because there was actually an 80s version of Pac-Man. Yes. So that one, I think the one that Jim worked on was on Disney XD. Yes. So we're going to talk about that. So get ready. We're going back to the early years. The creator of the Disney Television Animated Studios from back in 1984 and Walt Disney Records, Jim Magon. So sit back, relax. Jim Magon's Coming up. 
We have with us today our very special guest, best known for his iconic work with Walt Disney Television Animation, Jim Magon. Hi, Jim. How are you guys? We're doing great. We are absolutely honored to have you on our show, so thank you so much. Walk with us a little bit about your your start with Disney. I know that you started with Disney Records, correct? Absolutely. And then you you moved on from there. So let's talk about that. So tell, tell us about your start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was in the Navy for three and a half years, and I was stationed at the Pentagon. And when I got out, um, I had a few months to kill. So I was a substitute teacher, and my wife at that time was uh, a, a full-time teacher, in Virginia. Uh-huh. And then um, I had been contacting uh, Gary Kreisel, who was a, a, a friend of mine from college, who was working at Disney. And I said, boy, I sure would like to work there. And he said, well, why don't you come on out? So when uh, when my first wife finished her, her teaching for the summer, uh, we drove cross country and uh, I interviewed uh, we got in on a Sunday night, and I interviewed on a Monday morning <laughs> with the president of the music company, Whoa. and he said, you're hired. <clears throat> so I started working that day, even though I had no paperwork. So I actually, <laughs> Disney got one free day out of me because I didn't actually sign in until Tuesday. Wow. And so, so I worked, I'm sorry, I worked uh, at TV, um, at uh, the music company for eight years. And uh, I was producing children's records, mostly uh, read-along book and records. And yeah. that eventually turned into doing albums. Uh-huh. And um, I did uh, Mickey Mouse Disco, which sold 3 million copies. Oh, wow. That's cool. A lot of money for the company. And, um, and then when the company was going to be taken apart... Um, by a guy who was buying companies and then selling them off, breaking them up and selling them off. Um, the Bass Brothers from Texas stepped in and said, we'll save the company, but you got to put our guys in charge. And they put uh, Michael Eisner Frank, and Frank Wells and eventually uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg in charge of the studio in 1984. And when Eisner came in, he said, I want to start a TV animation division. And that's how I moved over to, to animation. Oh, wow. wow, that's very interesting. Yeah. Well, I do want to say, though, uh, your contribution to the music division uh, made an impact in my life because I really, really remember when I was a child, I had this yellow cassette tape and it had a whole bunch of random uh, Disney movie songs on it. I okay. clearly remember uh, April Showers from Bambi and it had a spoonful of sugar from Mary Poppins. Did you work on the records as well before cassette tapes started rolling through? Back in 19, uh, I started in 1976. So the only thing we had then uh, were uh, vinyl, it was vinyl. So um, eventually we got into the cassette market and heaven forbid, along came CDs, you know? <laughs> right, right. But no, almost everything I did was on vinyl. Right, yeah, I still have some of those old records myself, the storytelling ones, yep. Still have them. I'm sure they're worth a pretty penny now. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, would, I would, yeah, I'd love to sell my collection. Yeah. <laughs> So, first of all, thank you for your service uh, in the military. We do appreciate that. And so, moving on to the uh, animation division. So, you you heard that we interviewed Katie Lee, who worked on uh, Gummy Bears with you. And she had told us a little bit of a story about how um, Eisner developed you guys into the television division. So, talk about that for a little bit. Sure. Um Sure. Michael Eisner, uh, at one time, if I'm not mistaken, was head of children's programming uh, at ABC. And um, rumor has it that he was the guy who bought Scooby-Doo from Hanna-Barbera. So uh, I think he had a a warm spot in his heart for TV animation. And when he started at Disney, besides the millions of tasks that he had as the CEO, uh, he said, I want to start a TV animation division, which <clears throat> Disney never had never had. 
they had done some animation for the Sunday night shows, but uh, no weekly, uh, you know, Saturday morning shows. So uh, he said, I want to I want to meet with uh, the most creative people, you know, at Disney. Right. (laughs) uh, He had only been on the job, I think, a week uh, when we all, uh, you know, piled into our cars and drove off to Bel Air where his house was. And um, I, <laughs> I remember pulling up to his house and uh, I had never been in Bel Air before and uh, pulled up to the house and I ended up walking through the kitchen instead of the front door. And there were his kids eating cereal and watching TV. <laughs> and, <laughs> Ended up in the living room with, um, I have to think about this a second. I think it was eight people. Um, and we ended up talking about, you know, the possibilities of having the TV animation division. And um, Mike was very uh, excited and animated about, let's let's put this together. And I said, oh, you know, okay, I'm, uh, you know, I'm nobody. I'm a record producer. And... Um, He's, he was telling me that his kids had just gotten back from camp and that they were, you know, raving about this new candy called gummy bears. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why that stuck in his head, but he's, and or why he looked at me, but he actually turned to me and said, make me a show called gummy bears. Wow. You're a nutcase, you know? <laughs> and so we also had another property called Jumble Isle. Uh, and it turned out that the idea of Jambalaya was very similar to a Hasbro property called the Wuzzles. And so um, we all nodded and said, yeah, this sounds a great idea. And we went down to a coffee shop in Westwood and sat there and scratched our heads and said, what the heck is going on? Because uh, <laughs> there was there would never been a division like this before. There was no there was no president no vice president no staff nothing um and so we sort of you know pulled ourselves up by the bootstraps and said you know how are we going to do this so i think gary pursued the um uh hasbro to talk about the wuzzles and uh i was left to come up with some idea for the gummy bears although we all agreed that the idea of having a show where the main character's or eaten uh, was not a was not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> right, I could see uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> and so <clears throat> I knew that Eisner was a busy guy, and I just sort of let the thing sit for a while. And about two weeks later, I got a phone call from Michael Eisner, and I was like, "Oh, hi," you know. And he said, "How's my show coming along?" I was like, "Oh, I'm uh, I'm typing it right now." <laughs> 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 so um, I came up came up with this candy motif which um we eventually got away from because it was just you know it was just terrible and (laughs) did uh, it go in like really several directions or it was just completely in another place no 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 i mean it was it was pretty soft you know i mean there were the gummy bears and then there was you know scummy gummy was the bad guy and licorice whip was the villain you know terrible (laughs) terrible stuff and um, we got going on it in earnest, and the, uh, Michael Webster was in charge of uh, that particular division, and he hired a fellow named Art Vitello, who uh, had a history in in animation. And uh, his first animation job <laughs> was was drawing urine for Fritz the Cat. Uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> And uh, we started talking over, you know, what would be a good uh, motif. And uh, we um, we both agreed that, you know, Disney had started with a lot of Western European uh, fairy tales, Pinocchio and Snow White and whatnot. Uh-huh. Correct. So we said, let's let's try something in that vein. So we went medieval England, basically, and started from there and um, developed the show. I won't put you through all the pain of it, but we eventually <laughs> got it sold at NBC, and uh, the lady in charge there, uh, Filler, T- Filler, Phyllis Tucker Vincent, um, said, "Okay, we'll buy it. Who's going to story edit it?" <laughs> and Gary Chrysler looked at me and said, "Well, we thought Jim might." 
(laughs) And and I was like, oh, yeah, sure, that's me. And I had never written for television before. So, um, you know, there I was. I was a story editor. And um, and Art and I basically ran the show for two seasons. Very nice. Did you ever imagine that the show would become a success? That's a really good question. I mean, you know, the only thing you can think is we're, we're doing the best we can. We are Disney. Um, it should be a success, but you know, there was no guarantee that I think the, the biggest problem for us was that we sold, uh, the Wuzzles to CBS and, <laughs> and the, in their infinite wisdom, CBS and NBC put uh, the two, their two Disney shows against each other at the same time slot. So wow. it's it kind of like one of us is hopefully going to succeed and the other one will be in second place, you know? <laughs> um, but anyway, um, Wessels only lasted for one season and Gummy Bears uh, went for, I don't know, two or three. And eventually uh, when it went to syndication, got 65 episodes made. So oh, um, yeah. you know, there were other story editors and write, writers by that point. So. Right. And I actually remember the Wuzzles because I had a storybook of the Wuzzles. So, yeah, I remember that, too. Uh, Well, the funny thing is, is that uh, when we first started off, uh, we had no offices. We I was still a record producer. Gary Kreisel uh, was still the president of the record division. And um, so we had our old offices um and michael webster i don't know where they put him for the time being but we used to have these uh meetings uh in an office uh of lenny rips who was who was the uh, creator of um bosom buddies if i'm not mistaken and he had an office at that time in the animation building and we would go over to his office and sit around a card table the four of us and try and noodle out these shows. So was it the same process with developing Tailspin? Yes. Um, and, you know, jumping from Gummy Bears to Tailspin was like, you know, going from, you know, Steamboat Willie to, you know, Jungle Book. Um, <laughs> we had done a tremendous amount of animation by that time and had, had sort of gotten it, uh, you know, down to a science as to what it was we wanted to do. And um, I think I think uh, Gummy Bears was developed in 84, and I think Tailspin was developed in 88, 89, something like that. So several years down the pike. So what, what out of all the projects you've done for in that division, what was your favorite? Well, I'm embarrassed to say it, but Tailspin uh, probably is my favorite. It, this is not to say that I didn't love everything I worked on. It was just, um, uh, you know, because I had created uh, Tailspin and was the supervising producer, I felt very near and dear to that project. We saw a video um, that you did for D23 at one time talking about uh, the Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I did work on Rescue Rangers briefly, yes. Uh huh. According to what you put in there, that Chippendale weren't the original stars. No, no, they weren't. Um, we didn't plan it this way, but what happened was the um, we had a, a handful of people working at TV Animation. And so what would happen is that the story editors would work on one show and the other story editors would be developing the next show. And then it would sort of flip-flop. Um, and so what happened was that um, uh, Tad Stones, who had done... Uh, who had come over from feature animation was developing a show uh, which I developed with him. We worked together on it and it was, it was called, um, oh, I'm so embarrassed to say this. We called it Metro Mice at one point, which was actually a comic <laughs> book, it turned out. Um, and um, we said, okay, we've got a couple of mice and they've got these other sort of, you know, characters that help them solve crimes. And um, their na- <laughs> the names of the two mice were uh, Kit Colby and Colt Cheddarson. And wow. um, we, we drew up all kinds of pictures of them and, and, the, and their team. And what's interesting is everybody dropped out <laughs> of the cast 
except for one character named Gadget. Mm-hmm. And she managed to stay the course. Um, we we went over to um, uh, Eisner and uh, Katzenberg and pitched this idea, oh golly, at least three times. And they just, you know, they'd sort of hem and haw and shrug and say, well, it's not a home run yet. And I was like, doggone it. And we, we'd redevelop it, we'd redevelop it. And finally, Eisner said, you know, the problem is nobody knows who these mice are. Let's put somebody in there that maybe, you know, would be recognizable by the, by the, um, you know, the American public. And uh, it was like, well, duh, you know, Chip and Dale, <laughs> you know, were the perfect, perfect choice for that. Uh, only we were told you can't use any of the Disney characters. And so it was really, I think, Michael Eisner that said, let's put Chip and Dale in there. It's like, great, you know. And so um, everything sort of fell into place after that. What else can I tell you about it? I mean, you got a green light. We moved forward on it. And um, I think Tad and I brainstormed a few stories. And then I went off to work on something else. And Tad really took uh, Rescue Rangers under his wing and, and, and ran with it. Uh, now, at that point, I was doing um, the movies for DuckTales, the TV movies, mm-hmm. and um, they wanted to do a, a TV movie for Rescue Rangers. And so they had a five-part miniseries. This is the way we used to do it. We would write five episodes, and then you could cut them together it, in such a way that you had a two-hour movie. So um, I was asked by Buena Vista Television to uh, step in and... and uh, you know, sort of take over the um, the story editing on that particular project, and that's that was my main involvement. Other than development, I, uh, Mark Zaslov and I, um, you know, like re-story edited that uh, movie, and uh, it eventually ended up on TV and did well and became a hit show. And uh, but you know, I think Tad did all the heavy lifting on that series. I remember. Back when DuckTales was on TV, um, uh, it also went into video games, the original Nintendo yes. Entertainment System. Now, whose idea was it to approach Capcom, which is the company that distributed uh, the DuckTales uh, video game? Um, whose original idea was it to dis- to approach Capcom about it and and oversee, you know, the continuity between the actual show? and playing it on the Nintendo. Well, you're a little out of my expertise here because oh. <laughs> uh, I was I was busy making cartoons. Uh, but uh, we had a division called um, Consumer Products and their job was to figure out ways to take uh, the properties at Disney and turn them into comic books and oh, okay. squeegee toys and video games and whatnot. So. I don't know whether they approached Capcom or Capcom approached them and said, what have you got? You know, <laughs> but eventually uh, the game came out and uh, uh, I played it a few times with my kids. You did. Uh, wow. What did you think about it? Well, <laughs> those were much cruder games back then. <laughs> of course. Yes. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think there were there were kids that really enjoyed uh, the games and Myself. they were so popular yes. that they were reissued <laughs> recently, which I thought was interesting. Yes, um, actually, it's part of the Disney Afternoon Collection where they put both DuckTales games, both Chippendale Rescue Rangers games, Tailspin and Darkwing Duck in one right. package. Yep, yep. I was at a convention and, and Capcom, or I guess it was them, had a booth and they had all these monitors set up and they said, come on over and play these games. And they were all the uh, Disney afternoon, uh, you know, titles. So, yeah, they were pushing it hard. Yeah, yeah well, they were a big part of my childhood, and I, I love them all. So Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about working on uh, Winnie the Pooh. I saw that you did some writing for Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, you know, it helps to have a timeline because um, we were all working on different projects and, and we would tend to overlap with one another. So what happened was, I, I think in the second season of Gummy Bears, I brought over a freelance writer named Mark Zaslov. And Mark did well, and he, he ended up working on DuckTales with me. 
and eventually um, Disney brought in Carl Gears to produce the Winnie the Pooh show and they made Mark the story editor of that. So that was mainly Mark Zaslov and Carl Gears' baby. And uh, because Mark and I were, were tight at that time, uh, you know, he said, do you want to write some of these? I said, sure, I'd love to. And I think I wrote, I don't know, three or four of them. It wasn't a lot. Mm-hmm. But the, the interesting thing is that um, in order to get an Emmy nomination uh, with, with, uh, with the animation division, you had to send them a half hour sample of your show. And so this the sample they sent them happened to be my my script. <laughs> and they liked it so much they said, We're gonna we're gonna nominate this, you know. And um lo and behold, it actually won uh the Emmy Award uh not once but I think twice. Uh-huh. And uh but I wasn't eligible because I had only written a small percentage of the oh. entire series. So oh. uh it was my episode that got it nominated, but I didn't get an award. <laughs> wow! So that's that's the that's the Winnie the Pooh story. But it, Winnie the Pooh is a very interesting situation because the character has been around so long and is so beloved that um, you know uh, I think uh, Gary Kreisel wanted it to be oh let's make it really contemporary, and the the very first episode they did. Uh, Christopher Robin gets on a bus to go see a scary movie downtown and he takes all of his toys with him. And it just felt so odd to have them mm-hmm. out of Baker Wood and that we never did that again. <laughs> all the rest of the episodes took place in the Hundred Acre Wood. Now, have you seen the Christopher Robin movie that came out recently? Yes. Yes, absolutely. What was your thoughts on that? Oh, I, it's very intriguing. I mean, you know, anytime you get to look at the backstory of of something that's as iconic as as the as the Milne stories, uh, you know, you you think, oh, it wasn't all sweetness and light, you know. <laughs> right. They, they had their own problems and whatnot, but uh, no, I thought it, I thought it was charming. So. Yeah, it was very good. We thought the same way. I agree. Yes. So I also noticed on your website it says that uh, you write greeting cards oh tell me about that (laughs) you know sadly that never came to fruition and i should take it off of there because uh i met with um american greetings and they wanted me to do some greeting cards and uh it was just me i i never followed through so i (laughs) i dropped the ball on that but i knew a guy at disney who worked for american greetings and he wrote dozens of funny cards for them so, you know, um, I thought at one time, this would be a great niche for me, but it never really panned out. I mean, I, I wrote up some bad ideas, but I never sent them in. <laughs> so with your time at, at Disney, did you get the uh, privilege of meeting any of the Disney family, the recent Roy Disney at all? <laughs> <laughs> well, the answer is yes. Um, when I started in 84, uh, both Walt and Roy had passed on, uh, the brothers. Right. But uh, Roy Disney Jr. Um, was still there, and he had tons of stock in the company. So he had a lot of clout, a lot of voting uh, you know, privileges. And uh, he you know, was, I think, heavily involved in, in the approval process of, of all the different things that were going on. Um, I also knew Walt's son-in-law, who was at that time president of the company, Ron Miller. And um, so, you know, I was I was there during a very interesting time because from 76 to 84, uh, I was part of the Disney family, as they Uh called it. And uh, when Eisner took over, uh, we all became part of the Disney team. (laughs) And. uh, and it's like, oh, I used to be family. Now I'm just a team member. But anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, but I, you know I can remember going into uh, into Ron Miller's office every so often, and you know that was a rarefied air, you know, over in the in the uh, animation building. I was in the ROD Royal Disney Building, which was mm-hmm. uh, had been built new around 1977, I think. And I, and I, you know, the thing is, I saw. 
I saw a lot of old timers. You know, there were still some of the nine old men were working there. You know, I worked with uh, briefly with Ken Anderson on gummy bears and uh, met with Willie Ritherman once or twice. And, you know, you'd see these guys wandering around the lot and like, oh, wow, I'm in the presence of greatness, you know. So the studio still held some of its historic presence then. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, the story goes, and I may be wrong about this, but um, that there were certain people that were personal friends of Walt. And when Walt hired them, he made it clear that you have a job here for life. And I think when Eisner took over, it was sort of like, who are these people? You uh-huh. know? And it's like, well, they're friends of Walt's. You know, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I think he was sort of glad to, uh, you know, eventually, you know, bring his own team in. So do you think, speaking of that a little bit, do you think that um, Disney lost some of its um, magical presence or its story bound that started with Walt when it kind of went big corporate from where it was, like when Eisner took over? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, almost every studio in Hollywood at that time was a corporation. You know, the uh, Louis B. Mayer wasn't in charge of MGM and, and you know, Irving Thalberg wasn't in charge of whatever he was in charge of, Fox or whatever. What once were, were family-run businesses were now corporations. And the only company that still was run by a family member uh, was the Walt Disney Company. It had uh, uh, Ron Miller, uh, which was Walt's uh, son-in-law. So when eventually uh, Eisner came in and took over, Disney became a corporation. And, um, you know, when I started in 76, um, you know, it's it was very exciting for me. I felt like, oh, I've, I've missed all the the great years, you know, I never got to meet Walt or anything, but, you know, I was, I was there when a lot of young animators were, you know, were, were first getting their, their footing there. And, uh, they all became, there's, there's sort of the nine old men now, the nine new men, you know, uh, and they're, they're the old timers. Um, so, you know, I, I was very lucky that I, I started there at the age of 26 and I felt like, wow, I've got my whole life ahead of me working at Disney, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was it was interesting because at that time, they, Disney still had a back lot. You could go back there and see the, the Pollyanna house and the Zorro set. And, you know, just there was there were all these old buildings and they would still oh, wow. shoot back there. Now it's all pretty much torn down. I remember Pollyanna very clearly. <laughs> <laughs> all the Haley Mill classics. Exactly. And I, I was a, I was and still am a huge Haley Mills fan. And uh, I was very fortunate to meet her not once but twice, um, you know, uh, in my lifetime. So, um, you know, it was like, oh, my gosh, I had such a crush on her when uh, she did Parent Trap. I was uh-huh. 10 years old and I realized that she was 13. And I kept oh. thinking, there's got to be a way I can catch up to her in age. <laughs> it never worked but anyway. uh, yeah we had the gracious opportunity of meeting uh, Haley Mills at one time we were working on a project and we were in the middle of casting her and then something came up and she couldn't do it but I got this call one day on my cell phone and it was from Haley Mills and I'm sitting here going nuts because I'm like mm-hmm. Haley Mills is on my phone I'm like wow <laughs> Okay, it was it it was interesting because she was she has that wonderful accent of the way she is and she's just an adorable personality. So Mm -hmm. it was it was like all right, all right. So we had a great conversation talking about her past with working with Walt and so forth. So it was so yeah, she is definitely a um, historic one of a kind that I'll never forget. Yeah, and I agree with him on that too because. Chris was the one who introduced me to the movie Summer Magic uh-huh. that she was in too. And I I didn't know about it. And so we would watch it um, on the DVD because that's how he introduced it to me. And now it's a it's a one of my favorites. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, she was a delight. Uh and uh I've already told my wife that I would leave her for Haley Mills in a second. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of that, uh, has there been any other um, admiral people that you've wanted to work with or that you've met or that you wish you would have 
worked with or met before they passed on? Yeah, I mean, the the saddest things in my life are I never got to meet Walt and I never got to work with Mel Blanc. Um, but I worked with some amazing voice talent and um, probably the, the, the shining example was when we were casting for the Gummy Bears, um, you know, we had loads of people come in and read for these parts, but uh, we ended up hiring two of the icons of my youth, uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, which were wow. Bill, Bill Scott and June Foray. Yeah. And so the fact that we had um, them in the booth there every week and that um, Art and I were directing them was a real treat because, you know, they, they were such professionals and um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to make a side trip here. Uh, no we had a recording session and a local TV station somewhere was doing a Rocking Bullwinkle retrospective and they asked uh, Bill and June if they would do a promo for them. And so uh, they asked us, you know, can we use some studio time to record this little, you know, 60 second promo? We said, sure, go ahead. And we just sat in the booth and listened to them do Rocky and Bullwinkle, you know, right there live in front of us. And um, that was such a treat because, um, Again, I, you know, like I said, I, I grew up, uh, you know, I was uh, born in 1949, so I grew up in the 50s, and I was a child of the 60s, and uh, so I was prime audience for Rocky and Bullwinkle, and uh, and uh, listening to the Stan Freeberg records, you know, and he used June for a lot, and um, we did a, um, forgive me, I'm rambling, but we had oh, a, no, no, it's interesting a, because I watched Rocky and Bullwinkle too, so I understand, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And so we had this uh, gummy bear reunion, which I did as a uh, a webinar, and we used to call them a podcast, I guess, you know, but it was live. Uh -huh. And, and uh, it ran about two hours, and I had all these people over, uh, voice actors and writers and whatnot, and June Foray was one of the people that showed up, and... I had told my wife, who's considerably younger than me, that Stan Freeberg did this a skit called Dragon Net, uh, a takeoff on Dragnet. And, <laughs> and June Foray plays this uh, New York woman, and, and uh, she's interviewed about this dragon that attacked her. And, uh, and I kept saying to my wife, June has these three sentences, which are hilarious. She said, uh, yeah, it was terrible. He breathed fire on me. He boined me already, you know. And, <laughs> and I actually got, when June was there, I said, June, would you do these lines for my wife? And she did them. And there was like those exact lines. And it was just so <laughs> heartwarming for me. Of <laughs> I course, yes. Pass that along, you know, to, to another person. I worked with Paul Winchell, uh, the ventriloquist, and worked with Lorenzo Music from... Wow. Uh, 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 shoot. Well, he did the voice of Garfield. I know that. Yeah, but, it, but he was he was Carlton the doorman, you know, on, on that uh, Mary Tyler Moore spinoff. What was her name? Oh. Dang, Rhoda. Yes. And, uh, and you know, we I was just very fortunate. I worked with a lot of people who you know were big names in the business. Now, a real interesting side note, forgive me, I'm just rambling now, but <laughs> uh, when we were doing a promo for the Gummy Bears, uh, this film crew came in and they said, can you tell us about the show? And I was like, yeah, we've got, you know, Paul Winchell and June Foray and Bill Scott, and I, I named off all these people. And then I said, oh, and then there's someone else, and I can't think what her name is. And it was Katie Lee. And the reason, <laughs> I, the reason I couldn't remember her name was, she was brand new in the business. So she was sort of in awe of all of this, that she got to work with all these pros. And this was like, she was just this, you know, little girl who had gotten this part in this show. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, she got to correct me on film. My name's Katie Lee. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've known Katie since uh, 1977, I guess. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's another sweetheart, too. We had a great conversation with her.
I wanted to go back to Chippendale Rescue Rangers real quick because I'm really fascinated with the outfit that Dale wears, the little Hawaiian shirt, and then that Chip has the that jacket. Right. Um, was there any particular process on how you, how that was designed or was created? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had we had a staff of artists, and whoever was in charge of the art direction for that show said, "Well, I mean, Chip and Dale look like two chipmunks, and the you can tell them apart because one of them has a red nose and one has a black nose." Mm-hmm. And we decided, well, they need something more than that. So, you know, uh, I'm embarrassed to say that two popular uh, shows at that time were Indiana Jones and Magnum PI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where they got their clothing from. <laughs> wow, that's that's really cool. Yeah, you can look at the sim. You can see the similarities now. Oh now, yeah, now that you pointed that out. <laughs> you know, it's interesting too. Nobody nobody ever gets this joke, but but uh, Monterey Jack, who is the uh, the the big mouse, the muscly mouse of yes. the bunch, he he has a pet, which is a fly, uh, and. Uh, the is that Zipper? His name Zipper, and the audience okay. never understands that Zipper is a fly on your pants. You know? <laughs> 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 wow, oh, that, that's cool. So, okay. talking about Monterey Jack, yes. how many different cheeses do you think he's eaten? All of them. All of them. So every single kind, then. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely had a fascination with cheese. <laughs> yeah. Now, he started off uh, in the early incarnation of the Rescue Rangers as um, Billabong. He was an Australian, uh, uh, what would you call it, you know, desert rat. Uh, but we kept his design and changed his outfit, and he became uh, Monterey Jack. Which I think is really interesting because isn't Monterey a type of cheese? Absolutely. <laughs> and so is Jack. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, yeah, originally we had uh, an eagle, a chameleon, and a cricket in the in the team, and they all went by the wayside. What could you tell me would be the most memorable story you've had working with Disney? Oh, golly, so many. Um, yipes. Uh, memorable, <laughs> hmm. and it has to be clean, right? Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I it, here's the thing. I you know I I loved working there. I probably would have worked there for free if I hadn't had to feed my family, and um, so I was very tickled when I got hired. I was uh, I was over uh, on Sonora Street, which is in Glendale. Uh, and it was off the lot. And um, we were in a warehouse that was connected to WED, which stood for Walter Elias Disney. So we were right next door to where they were designing rides and whatnot. And I was very excited because I could go from this warehouse building I was in, walk across the parking lot and go eat at the cafeteria over at WED. And I remember there was a guy... um, who was um, uh, sanding a a fiberglass figure for the Pirates of the Caribbean, oh. and uh, and it was a, a woman uh, and probably the the busty redhead from from Pirates of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and he had her uh, this naked woman uh, on two sawhorses, uh, and <laughs> she's she's laid out you know there. Uh, looking sexy, but with no, you know, no clothing on or whatnot, and and he's sanding her stomach, uh, <laughs> and he's just he's going at it. But in order to really sand it well, he needed to to get a firm grip, and he was holding her by one of her breasts, <laughs> sanding her stomach, which I just thought was, oh, I wish I had a camera, you know, uh, you know. Now we have these cell phones, and we can take pictures everywhere. Uh, but back then, you know, you had to carry around a 35 millimeter camera. Right, right. right. Mm -hmm. Now that location you were talking about, um, just in thought, 
Is that where DreamWorks is now? You're absolutely right. Um, they ended up building their studio just down the street from there. And what's interesting is uh, Disney also owns a lot of property around there. And oddly enough, uh, the few times that I've been over to TV Animation, which has grown from, you know, four guys sitting around a coffee table uh, to you know, hundreds of employees, uh -huh. they now have a two or three story building, brand new, and it's built on Sonora right across the street from where I started. Wow. <laughs> So I drove over there and it's like, I know exactly where I am. I used to come here to work all the time. That's so. funny. Yeah, because we would drive, a, when we go into LA, we would drive around the areas. And for mm -hmm. some reason, I wanted to find out where DreamWorks was because I right. knew where all the other studios was and I couldn't find it. And then we just happened to continue down that road and thought we were going into nowhere. Mm -hmm. And yep. there's DreamWorks. And then right yep. across the street, we saw WED. So it's like, yep. Like, wow, okay, this is where it's at. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. The funny thing is, is that DreamWorks is on one side of the street and Disney's on the other. Uh -huh. Only they, they were vastly separated by several blocks. And um, and eventually, the Walt Disney Company has grown so much that they have taken over oh, the entire side of that street. Yes. And now they're, now they're across the street from DreamWorks. So. Why do you think that Disney actually doesn't do, I mean, they do every now and again, uh, studio tours? Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, I know Warner Brothers does it. I know Universal does it. And they've turned it into a money-making scheme. Right. You know, like get right. on the tram and ride around and whatnot. Um, I just think Disney doesn't want, you know, the average Joe wandering around the studio. Um, so they've never had formal tours of, of Disney. I mean, not that groups don't come through there, right. uh, but uh, it's not like you can go somewhere and buy a ticket and, you know. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So do they still have, I heard a rumor that they still have Walt set up in, uh, at the studio. Do they still have some of his set up there or do you know? Yes, absolutely. And the, the interesting thing is, is that Walt had one corner of the top floor of the uh, animation building. Uh -huh. And um, that was his that was his hangout. And um, by the time I started there, um, it had been taken over by his son-in-law, Ron Miller. And so it didn't look like Walt's office anymore. Right. So I never knew what Walt's office looked like other than a sort of mock-up that they had at uh, Disneyland or Disney World. And I thought, oh, well, that's nice. So now, now they have completely uh, gutted and refurbished that entire um, wing uh, corner of the building. And it is an exact replica of the way the studio, uh, Walt's office looked when he passed on. So they've oh, got wow. all the awards in the same places, all the same pictures on the walls. And you can walk in basically to Walt's office now to the way it, the way it was. Uh, with uh, all these original things still in it. Oh wow! I, yeah, I just went. I just went through it this year, actually. So really? that's interesting. Is that for all the time I spent there, there was no Walt's office, and now after I've left, there's Walt's office. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you think, other than the historic reason, but why do you think that they got rid of it at one point and then brought it back? Oh well. You're asking a really interesting question because, you know, I go to conventions and people say, "Ooh, what was it like being part of an iconic group and making all these famous shows and everything? And it's like it wasn't it was a job. You know, you right. just do it. Where did you sit? Wherever they put me. You know, it wasn't like, um, oh, we had this master plan as to how we were going to do all this stuff. It was just sort of, you know, oh, shoot, we need another desk. Oh, shoot, let's move you over here. And I think the same thing was true with, with Walt's office is that it was like, well, Walt was here. He's not here anymore. Uh, let's put the new guy in charge in there. And um, so I don't think there was a lot of thought about, oh, we've got to preserve this and we've got to make it, you know, such and such. Now, what's interesting, <laughs> and maybe you won't find it interesting, is that a guy named Dave Smith, who eventually became the archivist at Disney, uh -huh. uh, said, can I go in and catalog everything that's in Walt's office? This was after Walt had passed on. 
and uh, the room was still empty. And they said, oh, okay. And he went in and he logged every single item that was in there down to the paperclip on the desk, you know. Wow. And, and so because of his work, he eventually got a job as the archivist. And because of his work, they were able to recreate that entire office again. Oh, that is interesting. That, yes, uh, that is very interesting indeed. So now, now it's history. But back then it was like, oh, Walt's not here. Let's put somebody else in. <laughs> well, we were kind of disappointed when Disney World took out uh, the office setup that they yeah, had. Yeah, at the One Man Stream exhibit. Yeah, right? absolutely. Well, what's interesting about that, because I was down there and I, I saw that, and uh, I think I took some pictures of it, is that when you look at Walt's office, and you look out the window, which was a, a photograph, you know, a large uh -huh. photograph of the studio. <laughs> what you look out at is the building that you're supposedly standing in. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the animation building, but what you see out the window is the animation building. So, <laughs> And really quickly, I saw that you also were co-creator for Goof Troop. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know there's a lot of fans of Goof Troop and the uh, a Goofy movie. Right. Now, what was interesting is, and forgive me, because I, I got to back up a little bit. When Eisner took over the company, he said, create shows, Gummy Bears, Wuzzles, that's great. But we're not going to use the big three. Mm -hmm. And the big three were, you know, Goofy and, and Donald and Mickey. So right. when we did DuckTales... We couldn't put Donald in that show, but because I was doing the uh, the the pilot movie for the series, mm -hmm. we needed to explain why Donald wasn't in the show, and we sent him off to sea as a sailor, and I had to get permission to put him in that episode, uh, you know, just to you know explain who he was and where where he had gone. And so, you know, that's how careful they were about the characters. Then all of a sudden it was like, well, we've done Chip and Dale. Um, what about Goofy, maybe? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do Goofy. So, you know, that was a that was quite a coup at the time. So uh, when we developed that show, um, originally Goofy was a scoutmaster. That's why it was called Goof Troop. He was a trooper. Oh. I didn't know that. Um, no, nah, so many things you don't know. And uh, eventually, when uh, Bob Taylor took over the series, uh, I was brought in as you know the story editor, and we went in a completely suburban sitcom direction on that one. So um, uh, we developed it that way. We played it that way, and I eventually wrote a TV episode. I mean, a Christmas episode called. Have yourself a goofy little Christmas, and it was a nice little vignette. I think they actually sold it on on uh, VHS, uh, and it was sort of the training ground for what would eventually become the Goofy movie, a Goofy movie of wow. a father and son on a vacation and the and the troubles that they have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think back, and I do remember all that. I'm trying to think back of the movie because I haven't seen it in forever. Uh -huh. It's been a while, but I do remember Max was the son, correct? Very good. You yes. get a gold star. Yay! <laughs> did you play Pac-Man? Because I saw that you did something with Pac-Man for Disney XD. <laughs> Chris was just reading my mind right now because oh, I was at the same yes. exact thing. <laughs> well, the thing is, after I left Disney in 93, uh, I said, oh, shoot, now I got to be a freelancer, and I... You know, I've got a story edit and I've got to create shows and what am I going to do? And I've been very fortunate that I've had some very successful years as a freelancer. I've had some very lean years as well. But one of the shows that I worked on, and it was strictly as a writer, uh, was Pac-Man. And uh, I think I wrote, I think it ran three seasons or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wrote every season. Did you play the game at all? <laughs> oh, oh, well, of course. Of course. Oh, okay. Awesome. <laughs> you have to understand that I'm I'm of a different generation than you guys, and so you know it, you're probably I'm I, I'm just guessing, but my 
my wife is considerably younger than I am. So she was a child of the 80s. And, uh, you know, she's all into, uh, you know, the John Hughes films and Cindy Lauper songs and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when she was doing all of these, uh, you know, teenage things in the 80s, I was working. I was producing TV shows. <laughs> so, you know, how often did I get to play Pac-Man? Well, really didn't have much time for that. So, But I did, I mean, I did play it, but that wasn't one of the great joys in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't give you any inspiration. No, I mean, it goes it walk was ba- walk It right, was basically yeah. just a little pie man eating dots, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't get any simpler than that. Um, so, yeah, I, I um, there were several games I, I used to like to play, but I didn't do it a lot because I just I didn't have the time. I I know this sounds fishy, but I I worked basically seven days a week, you know, back then, and uh, didn't have a lot of free time. So are you are you kind of shocked that Disney has grown so high in caliber as far as where it's at now? Am I amazed by it? Well, no. I mean, I was there when the company was almost ruined. I thought. I got to go find a job at McDonald's now, you know, because they're going to tear the company apart. Now it's so big. It's like, oh, let's see. We own Marvel. We own Star Wars. We own all these sports companies. You know, I mean, it's just it got to the point where it was just huge, you know. And I don't know how they I don't know how they (laughs) they keep tabs on all of it, to tell you the truth. That's true. I think they're growing a little bit too fast. It's it's so big. I don't I you know, I, I, I don't know. I go over there now and it's like, I, I don't recognize this place anymore. Like trying to navigate it would just be like, okay, where's what pretty much. Yeah, exactly. It's gone so big. I mean, so many elements to it. Yeah. You know, and back then you could like walk up and down the halls of the animation building and look at the animators working. It's like, there are no animators in the animation building anymore. They've oh, wow. been moved off the lot. So. Well, Jim, I have to say again, thank you so much for giving us the time and coming on. This was really an interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. Learned a lot, learned a lot. So, and we have to thank you for giving us our childhood memories. Those shows were... (laughs) Of course, yes. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's so memorable for me. And thank you, Jim, for that. Oh, believe me, you're welcome. Um... Uh, a real quick anecdote before I, I hang up. Um, I remember once Art Vitello said to me, are we doing Disney? You know, are we Disney? And I said, well, we work for the company and we're doing it, so it must be Disney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, just because, you know, it is what it becomes, you know, and and. Right. And lo and behold, I go to these conventions and all these people are like, oh, I love that show. And it was so, it changed my life. And it was like, I'm glad we didn't plan it that way, but I'm glad it turned out that way. Whether you planned it or not, you did a good job. So yes, and we it, appreciate that. And it definitely brought magic and uh, imagination to all those who watched it. Yeah. Well, well, I sure appreciate you guys contacting me. And this has been a real treat. And um, please, you know, uh, continue what you're doing because it's it's great that that uh, you know people still remember these uh, these wonderful shows and and records and whatnot. Well, thank you. And, yes, uh, we, thank you. We appreciate that. And all right, Jim. Well, you have a wonderful day in California, and thank you. Uh, I will be in touch again. And thank you so much for joining us. Lovely. Thank you for contacting me. It's been a real treat. There was a lot I didn't know about those shows from back in the day. Yeah, especially the development of Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Yes, and their outfits. Would have never known. So cool. Yep, yep, yep. That was going really back in the day. I mean, I really enjoyed learning a lot about the studio, the people that developed this wonderful division that I kind of grew up with, knowing about Walt Disney's office at the studio a lot. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Uh, We want to thank you for joining us, of course. As always, thank you so much. Uh, Jim Magon for coming on the show. A lot of history there. Thank you, Jim, so much. 
But, um, you know, that pretty much wraps it up for us. Uh, Join us next week for another great episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Another great topic. Another great guest. So for now, thank you guys. Thank you, Jim. We'll see you later. It's time to go. Bye. Bye.